The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to our brand new podcast, our untitled podcast maybe mailbag midweek mailbag i don't know we're gonna figure it out as the season goes along but welcome to our new podcast my name is jeremy reisman i am the producer over at pride of detroit you can find me at detroit online uh, on twitter with me co-hosting me co-hosting with me i should say all season long in this midweek podcast he's the managing editor of pride of detroit he is the machine he is at eric schlitt on twitter Eric is here. Eric Slip. How's it going, buddy? Hey, buddy. How's it going? I, uh, I, I, I like the producer. I like that you're sticking with it. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> and I'm definitely sticking with the machine for sure. It seems to have uh, grabbed its claws in me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to lean into it too. Absolutely. I, uh... Print up the t shirts. Uh... <laughs> well, let's. Uh... This is yeah. new for me. This, well, uh, this is new for everybody, right? I'm going to try and figure out how to watch and uh, multitask as efficiently as you do, and hopefully uh, <laughs> I'll figure it out. Yeah, so uh, for, for the podcast listeners at home that might not be uh, watching us live here on Twitch, uh, this is just going to be a mailbag uh, podcast, essentially. You can submit them if you're watching live here on Twitch in the chat. You could also um, submit them via Twitter using the hashtag AskPOD. We'll put up a post on Pride of Detroit every Tuesday morning so you can get them in there as well. Um, But we're going to take about 45 minutes or so, just kind of use this as maybe a transition podcast too, to to maybe wrap up some things that happened last week against the Eagles and then move forward a little bit into Washington. But the conversation is really driven by you guys. So make sure uh, if you're here live with us on Twitch, send as many questions as you want um, and and we'll try to answer them. And and while I I don't know if you've picked out one yet or not, Eric, but if not, Mm -mm. I'll just toss it to you. We're, we're 48 hours ish away, you know, in yeah. the past now from the, uh, the, the, the Eagles game. Yeah. How, how are you feeling about it? How, now that you've had time to digest it, are you, are you smitten with something? Are you, are you feeling okay? You, you're frustrated by something. How, how's the overall feeling right now? Well, I, I think I'm smitten with the run game. I think, yeah. you know, we, we've seen the blocking in camp and we, in we've we've looked at what the offensive line is on play on paper um but really we've only been teased with it 
Yeah. Right. Like yep. they haven't really done a whole lot in the, in the preseason, uh, especially with Swift. I mean, what, like a couple of drives, uh, one drive in the first game, a couple of drives in the, in the third. And then even then the, the quarterback situation really, you know, I think it made Hampers evaluating. Yeah. Game three really hard. Uh, but it, it looks as advertised. Right. And that's exciting because yeah. how nice is it to have a running back, go over a hundred yards and it not even need to be acknowledged. You know what I mean? Right. Because for so long it, it, it wasn't, you know what I mean? It was, it was just that missing element. And to be able to have that, it, it allows you to do so much uh, offensively and it controls the game. I mean, it's just, there's so many benefits from it. So that that's the thing I think I'm the most smitten with. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. To, to just kind of bounce off that too. It's not, to me, it's not just that the run game was successful. It's that they stuck with it because they yeah. were down by 17 in the third quarter, right? And you'd expect them like, all right, well, we just got to have Jared Goff air it out. And I think that's what the Eagles were expecting. Sure. The Lions were, were patient with it and it succeeded in the second half. And I think that's a reason why they continue to be successful in the second half. And that shows some some smarts, some growth from Ben Johnson, I think, some maturity from Ben Johnson, not to get um, yeah. impatient with, with the offense there. And uh, I, I, I mean... I know, I know we've had some discussions too. I know some people think, you know, it was all garbage time <laughs> scores there in, in, in the second half, but I don't think that's it at I all. Think I, so I think the either. Lions were doing exactly what they want to be doing the entire game there. And the fact that they were able to stick with it through the thick and thin when they knew, like they never, they never turned into panic mode, which is I think kind of impressive, at least on offense, I yeah. should say. Yeah. Very disciplined, right? Like yeah. disciplined is the word that keeps coming to mind. And, and this is a, team who historically discipline has been an issue and so and, and i and i say that knowing well and that tracy walker was not disciplined right and so <laughs> right. like right. right and so like oh my gosh i i have you recovered di- from that mentally what a, what a disappointment i'm not mad i'm just disappointed right <laughs> <laughs> all right let's uh, let's, let's let's jump into some questions here uh uh, there's several on the exact same topic because we did get a little bit of, of breaking news this morning. Uh, yeah. Michael Brockers, um, his contract, $4 million of his salary this year has been tr- converted into a, a signing bonus, which means they free up $2 million in cap space, k- kick that extra $2 million to next year. Yeah, Eric, you wrote a really good article on it, but it feels like some Thanks. people still either, either they haven't read it or, or they're still wondering why exactly that happened. Is a move coming? do your best to kind of recap why you think the Lions made this move out and, and if maybe a roster move is coming because they do have a spot on the 53. Yeah. When they restructured Decker, um, uh, what it's like 10 days ago or whatever it was, um, they allowed themselves some freedom to have some cap leverage. Right. And then since then you've put Vitae and uh, Levi on IR and that has really, been a, a you know hurt them in that aspect right and so now they've got a lot more money on IR they've they've filled it with a couple other you know lower level players like that who have lower level salaries I guess right. I should say um and so like the that ends up you end up double dipping like you're counting the IR guys against the cap plus you're counting the roster guys against the cap and so they're now back kind of up against it and they needed a little extra room um probably to get through the next month. Uh, it does give them a little bit more than what I think they maybe needed. So it's very possible a roster move is coming. 
Um, they've got about six, a little over six, 6.4 million or something like that. Right. Um, so that gives them some freedom to, to go get a guy. I know people have been clamoring for Sue in my mentions, but th- there's no way Sue. they could afford Sue. Mel- Malcolm no Brown. Malcolm. Well, I think Malcolm Brown is kind of the interesting <clears throat> one that people are talking about, right? Because sure. They, they bring him in to visit and maybe the reason they don't sign him in week one is like the, the whole veteran guaranteed sure. salary thing. Sure. At the same time, you claimed, you saw them claim Benito Jones, right. who plays the same position, right, and plays it in a in a manner similar to to Aleem, which yeah. is what they want, which right. is what you need in the nose. You don't need that pure kind of like body, right? I mean, you you have that in, in Bugs, who I thought played very well, um, but you have Benito to kind of fill that role. You still have Aleem that's flexible. I mean, you have three nose tackles essentially on this, on this DL right now. Do you need a fourth? And so I'm not really buying the Malcolm uh, Brown move. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong just from, but but from my perspective, they tried out uh, Anthony Pittman and Justin Jackson uh, on special teams and they almost played exclude like mostly on special teams right if yeah. not only on special I, I believe teams. both of them yeah only on special yeah teams. And, and so they've got that extra roster spot they don't really need a ton of help at defensive tackle because you didn't even see Demetrius uh right so yeah I really think one of those guys it was it was like an audition and one of those guys will probably get promoted my guess is it'll happen on Wednesday like right before practice somebody yeah. they'll fill that 53 yeah and and i think the reason it's it's going to be one of those guys is because i feel like one those guys are going to they they want those guys to play key special teams roles and two the you know you can only promote a guy up from the practice squad three times this year that's yep. up from two last year um yep. but basically those guys only have two left for the rest of the season and they they, they probably don't want to use all of them up in the first month of the year so yeah um all right yeah i think we covered that one pretty good um where there's some bickering going on between Pride Detroiters in our in our chat that's causing me to miss some questions. So you two settle down. <laughs> uh, let's go to uh, let's go to one moment gaming. Ask you think Lions pass rush will do better against a more statue quarterback like Wentz? Do you think that blitzing and rushing quarterback cost us against the Eagles? Um, I I, I do think they will have more success against a more static quarterback right yeah. i think that's that's if, certainly if you, something if you haven't already go and listen to austin bryant his press conference from yesterday because he was straight up asked like do you prefer like a, a, a less mobile quarterback and he's like I, heck yeah i do of course i do like yeah have they, have they posted that i believe that, it's that on audio? youtube now okay yeah. okay good yeah um yeah i mean look how many times did they overrun him Right. If with the static quarterback, you don't overrun it. All those those pressures that you missed because he's mobile, you don't miss against a static guy. Right. And that's and so it was concerning to me that the blitzes didn't get home. Right. Yeah. Um, other than like your DB blitzes. I thought those DB blitzes look good. They did. Uh, those a gapping linebacker blitzes, those got to get home. Yeah. I mean, they, they have to or you're, it's pointless. Right. And I think blitzing Anzalone is probably not the guy I'd want to see blitzing. I'd rather see Derek Barnes in that. Yeah. Or geez, if, if that's what you're going to do, why not elevate uh, Jared it, Davis? Oh, oh yeah. Jared Davis. Sure. Yeah. Elevate Davis for a day in a, a game and blitz him up the a bit again, because he's, he, he, he won't over pursue anyone. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, I mean, if, again, if, if you're talking about static, but like, right. But what did, what's, what's Davis's best asset? He can blitz a gap yeah. like that's his. Yeah. And and if you want to threaten that, then then do it because I I didn't think Anzalone didn't get home. 
Um, and so that that needs to be better. I, I like the DB blitzes. That's good. But the blitzing, yeah, needs it needs to improve. Um, but look, a lot of those misses aren't going to be misses, I think, against Washington. Yeah. And the, the, the second half of that question is interesting because it's one that I've kind of considered myself because when Anthony Lynn, or Anthony Lynn, uh, Aaron Glenn talked last week, they were talking about, yeah, what's what's the balance between being aggressive against a guy like Jalen Hurts versus containment, right? Focusing on containment, yeah. maybe not necessarily. And, and Aaron Glenn said, like, listen, we have to stay true to our passing range, but passing lanes, but we're we're not going to be passive here. We're going to be aggressive. And they certainly yeah. were. They sent a lot of blitzes. And I think it's fair to question whether that was the right strategy. Um, I, well, I think I think maybe like they, they disrupted, but they didn't stay true to their passing lanes. And when you have such a young roster there, like they, mm. they're going to make those mistakes. They're going to see the eye candy. They're going to get fooled by the, uh, you know, by the by the, the fakes and, and things like that. So I guess maybe against such a dynamic runner, maybe the game plan should have been a little bit more simpler and just contain simpler or the the other end of the spectrum bring more right because that's <laughs> sure, what i was okay. calling i mean okay. like i was calling for that right yeah. i was I, I mean sitting right there next to you and i'm just yeah. like bring the entire house at this point right yeah. because if you bring the entire house you're rushing his clock and when he yeah. has to throw the ball that's his weakness and so bringing one blitzer was not working i wanted them to bring two blitzers three blitzers i wanted them to bring everybody just man up zero coverage bring everybody the downside of course is what you mentioned to me every time i said bring the house was they better not miss right right and so that's the thing but at that point in the game when when it was late and they started blitzing more they weren't stopping them anyways. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. so it's, it was, they were kind of in that flux where I would have liked to have either seen them to be more aggressive or yeah, back it off and just like contain and try and let it either way. What you're trying to do with that mobile quarterback is put the ball in his hands. Right. Yep. Uh, next question comes from Kalama Zuboy. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where these names come from. Uh, so it's what's the deal with the wide receiving well, all the wide receiver drops. Was it on golf throwing funny or just wide receiver nerves? It's a combination, right? I think he missed his receivers by like six inches, three or four no, easily noticeable times, right? Sure. And um, a lot, and a couple of those came in the uh, the the film breakdown that you just published, right? Like where you you, you had a, a still shot of Hawkinson, like I mean, full extension, trying to get that ball, and it's just it's that far and, yeah. and that far matters. And that's honestly, they were making that in camp. Like it was a bit surprising actually to see him missing. And and maybe it's because, you know, he's facing a live pass rush and stuff like that. Maybe it's because, you know, Stenberg's, you know, pass blocking was a 0. 0. 0.0. Um, but, <laughs> I don't um, believe that by the way. I, I know it's, it's, yeah, I don't either, but, um, but, you know, he was he was getting a little bit more pressure than I think he was getting in camp, but he, he was rushing and you could see yeah. his footwork, right? Yep. You could see him not quite setting all the time. And when he does that, the ball goes out a little bit early and a little bit to the and it, it pushes a little bit to the outside. And um, so, yeah, I think it's it's a combination. But there was a couple of them that hit the hit them receivers in the hands where the receivers are tight ends. I mean, it hit them and you got to make those in the NFL. If it hits both your hands, you've got to bring that in. And so, yeah, I think it's a bo- bit of both. Right. Yeah. And I, th- I think people also need to realize that you can't just put blame on one or the other. Right. Yeah. Even on a single play, like 
a, you know, an Amon Ra pass that's behind him. Yes, he should have caught it, but the pass shouldn't have been behind him. Sure. The, the the Josh Reynolds deep ball in the second half, the the one drive that that didn't succeed that came right before the fumbled snap and the sack. That's a really really tough catch for Josh Reynolds to make. But if he's, he's your number two, you expect him to make it. Yeah. yeah. But he was wide open, and it wasn't it wasn't anywhere near it, where it should have been. So both mm. both players get a negative on that one. I he catches that ball at six. He was right. he was he was ahead of his guy, yeah. and there was no safety help. Lions might all. win I'm that game nowhere. if he catches that pass. Mm. <laughs> I know that's that's you, pushing you might, it a little you, far. No, no, but you might not be wrong either. Like in all honesty, like because that that ball was, in my opinion, that ball should have been caught. Like I, I think Reynolds needs to make that catch, and if you're relying on him, you get it. Look, I, I don't want to I don't want to like get people hyped up here, but. Uh, Jameson Williams makes that catch, right? right? Well, then that's the thing. Like, I, I that's keep what, reminding right? myself, like, this team just scored 35 points without Jameson Williams, and right. he's going to make them a whole lot better. And he's going right. to change so much because the Lions really didn't push the ball downfield until the second half. Yeah. And that, that yeah. seemed to open some things up. It's crazy, like, how easily... And, and you pointed again, you pointed this out in the film study. It's crazy how easily like one play can throw off a drive. And then when you stack those bad plays, yeah. all of a sudden you're stacking bad drives and and, you, and, you, and it's tough to get out of that rhythm. I think Campbell said that on Monday too. It's a once it's contagious, right? Once you yep. get into that mistake, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And then you, it's tough to get out. And, and it almost took them like going into the half to, to like get out of that funk. And it's hard to fault the defense as well because they're on the field for eight minutes and then they come on, they come off, they get um, what four minutes break. You know what I mean? Like, like literally four minutes, like uh, 45 (laughs) seconds of game time. Um, And they're back out there for eight minutes of game time again. You know what I mean? And so like, that's that's hard on a defense and so it was it was a combination of a couple of bad things in in that gap there uh they got settled down after the half and and they looked more like what we had seen more like what we expected i still think they were they're still knocking some jitters out and 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 philly's good i mean philly's gonna be better than they think i think with dallas's situation i think philly is probably gonna run away with that division i would tend to agree unless unless the giants are a surprise team which i don't, I don't know if anyone's believing in them after week one but uh good for them uh <laughs> another question from our buddy miko says is there a reason to be concerned with amani's poor performance or was this just a bad match matchup against aj brown this is an interesting one i feel like i don't i can't answer this one <laughs> <laughs> um i was maybe i mean look i i wasn't sure how they were going to sort these guys out right yeah. because you've got akuda who's a little bit more physical than amani so mm-hmm. i almost would have liked to have seen akuda patch uh, match up on aj a little bit more but at the same time uh um Devontae smith is a is a precision route runner like his, his routes are crisp and and you need the technician and and i think that's what they were looking at and that's why they put akuda on him because akuda is more of a technician um amani can be the big body he's just not as physical but he's he's got this big size right so um i think that's kind of the way the coaches looked at it in my opinion and so eh, i probably i mean it's it's a tough matchup because of how the the eagles receivers are right um but yeah, I mean, you'd want more out of Amani for for sure. At the same time, 
you know, he putting him out on an island against AJ Brown is it's, it's a hard task. It's a, you know, AJ's a really, really good player. He is. So, and um, I, I mean, yeah. to simplify things, I think for me, it's just the Lions don't have a cornerback one right now. I think right now they're not comfortable putting Jeff Okuda in that role. They're, you know, yeah. And Campbell said they were limiting his snaps. Jeff Okuda said he was dealing with cramps. Either way, oh, I don't think the Lions were going to throw him to the Wolves yeah. in week one out of this game, right? Like that would have been crazy. He was very insistent. I was, I was <laughs> that he was this close, cramps. this close to him uh, in the presser <laughs> because uh, in the, in the locker room it was it was just uh, Nolan, Ben, and me at first around Jeff, and then all of a yeah. sudden people started wedging in, and they and you start scooting off to the <laughs> right. side a little bit, and by the end of it, I was like face to face. I was like left foot with away from him and when yeah. that question came up I was like oh no I was like he's getting mad because then then he they doubled down on it and I was like yeah no he's he's very insistent on what the problem was and he he's not look he's not a liar right? no I think I think Campbell was probably trying to like not talk about an injury right sure. which uh, is it's it's a weird situation but i mean whatever yeah. they're they're trying to protect a guy or or whatever they have their reasons not that big of a deal uh, yeah look but I, he, I, I, he, I just, he's he's not he ready to be, be no right Mm-mm. he's he's Mm-mm. not quite ready to be cb1 i think the hope is that he's there by the end of the year maybe even yeah. by you know the bye week sure but imani isn't that guy either like i no. i do i really think imani is a good number two corner yes and that's where yes. they, they need him to be so these early games when they're facing really good receivers the lines are gonna be in a little bit of a pickle and, and listen they don't yeah. line up you know man to man they pick yeah. sides so yep um each each Corner is going to get their shot at each guy as, as they travel, but um, it's it's going to be some rough sledding at the beginning, and I think that's really should have been expected. I think maybe more people just expected the the struggling on Okuda side rather than Oruarius. Yeah, I mean, look, we've been talking about Okuda coming back for a while, yeah. you know, and we've been and and this is what we've seen, and he's still he's still ascending, right? Yeah. Like uh, we we still have yet to see the best of of, uh, of Jeff right now. All right, next question comes from XOLOR. Uh asks, do you still expect Stenberg to start in week two? He was talking like he was expecting to start in week two, right? Sure. Like um I was talking to him uh about transitioning and like how difficult that was because he had he played left guard for four years at, at Kentucky? He's basically played left guard his entire time here. We saw him take a little bit of right guard snaps early in camp, and then he took some last week. And I, I was like, "How hard is that? You know, or have you? Do you think you have it enough to where you can like stick at the right side moving forward?" And he didn't hesitate. He said, "Yeah, it's not a big deal. He understands the the transition. His body has them." Um, you know, he doesn't have muscle memory, but it's his body really didn't take time for him to adjust his technique or anything is what he essentially said. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, until Kramer can show that he's, his back is not an issue. I don't, I don't think anybody can, can challenge him. And I don't think shifting like Evan Brown or, or the tackles around is, uh, is what's best for, for the team. Yeah. And I, I agree with you hundred percent because, the way Panay Sewell talked again on Monday very yeah. much sounded like he's there to stay. And and yeah. we don't know what Tommy Kramer's situation is. We don't know if, you know, it might be a situation where the injury makes him lose his job at right guard, like as backup right, right guard. Yeah. And listen, I know the PFF grades were bad. I know he got a 0.0 pass blocking grade. That's not at all what I saw. Like 
he made a couple of mistakes for sure, especially yeah. on the interception. Couple um, penalties, yeah. Couple penalties as well, yeah. but zero point zero is ridiculous. I mean, I, th- I think they even they, they cr- credited him with four pressures allowed in like forty snaps. Like, okay, that's not good, but it's not zero. He had right. good reps. Um, right. But but if I could pull one short quick uh, quote from Sewell, he says uh, he's going to be money this season. He's going to oh, be money. Stenberg? Yeah. Oh, okay. So like he's got a lot of confidence in him. I th- I feel like those two are are starting to already build some chemistry. And in fact, I I think Sewell said it happened in like two plays. Like it, like it all clicked for for Stenberg very quickly in that game. And I, I I honestly don't think he had that poor of a game. Um, I I know again I know <clears throat> the BFF grades are bad, but yeah, you know considering he had a week of practice, considering he's going up against a pretty darn good Eagles defensive front. I'm not yeah. that concerned about Logan Stenberg right now. Maybe I'm being naive, but I'm just not that concerned about it. What I was impressed with Logan about was his ability to get out and move. Mm-hmm. Like he he was running, and that's not something that I I think anticipated from him. Yeah, he showed some improvements. Yeah, he's a bully. Yeah, he's a good fighter in a phone booth. But he got out a couple of times on screens or, or, or and just getting to that second level. And he was moving and hitting. And I think that uh, is, is a big bonus in his game. And that's something that the Lions want to utilize in the run game. Uh, last question before we head to our first break comes from Katie from Michigan. Uh, any guesses on why the coaches seem so enamored with Will Harris? Athleticism, positional versatility. Those are the those are the key things that he brings. But yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's a hitter. You know, he doesn't mind hitting. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously that play was terrible. When you're running zero, you can't let a receiver get over the top of you like that. And, and he did. And I don't. It just like you said, they don't play sides. They don't play matchup right now. They just play your man in front of you. And he just happened to get AJ Brown and. Um, he should. He has the speed and athleticism to stay on top of AJ Brown, and uh, he didn't. And so, I don't know. I mean, is that a mental thing? Is that you know, he was cold coming off the bench? I don't know. But he's got a lot of athleticism. He's he'll hit, and he's got a lot of positional versatility, and so that's appealing to coaches. And I see some people in the chat uh, vetoing the versatility, saying that he's not good at either position. Which fair point, but I think <laughs> I think what they like about him outside of the athleticism is I, I feel like they think he's a very smart player. Like in terms of, you know, during the week studying opponents, um, you know, knowing his assignments, I think they think all of that is good. It's just a matter of that translating over to the field. That doesn't seem to be happening. Right. It's, it's not the, the processing in the middle of a play that's not connecting because he's making those. I would consider that a mental error, right? That big play is, yeah. is essentially a mental error because like you said, yeah. he's got the athleticism to do it. He knows his assignment, but it's just in the moment, it's not clicking. And I think that to me is probably Will Harris's biggest challenge. And that's also the toughest thing to correct. Yeah. And it's weird because the first half of training camp that clicked, it looked in like, the second yeah. half. It didn't. Yeah. And I, and I don't know if it's a confidence thing, like his confidence got hurt when, when Akuda started, but I mean, right. they were You're in a tight race. Your eyes. Yeah, they were in a tight race for two weeks, and then all of a sudden, Nakuda just kept ascending, and Will Harris just dropped. And yeah. and I, I I don't know what prompted that. I guess. Yeah. 
All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, answering more of your questions live here on our twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit for a midweek mailbag uh, happening every Tuesday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern-ish. Uh, subject to change per week, uh, depending on our own availability. But stick with us here. We'll be right back. And we are back here on our midweek podcast, mailbag podcast with me, Jeremy Reisman and Eric Schlitt. Uh, let's jump right back into our live mailbag here uh, from Phoenix Knight. Uh, this is a popular topic, uh, and I'm sure one you have some takes on, Eric. Can you contextualize Hutch's first game? Were the Eagles doing anything special to take him out of the game? I don't think they did anything special because he ended up against you know, they have two really good tackles, right? And so I don't think they necessarily did anything other than, you know, have a mobile quarterback that he over-pursued a couple of times. Um, But I don't think the Eagles did necessarily anything specific. Now, as far as his game, um, he was in the right spot quite a bit. He got pressure more than I think you can watch like watching offensive defensive line play is so challenging when you're watching live, right? Because there's so much happening in the trenches. It's hard to identify. It's easier to, to, you know, pinpoint in on guys when you get the rewatch, but um, I thought he was getting good pressure. Uh, A lot of time they were using those edge guys as contained, right? Because when they were missing early in the first half and over pursuing, they were, the Hertz was just, you know, scoring out the side. Right. And so, uh, what you ended up seeing is those edge guys uh, basically roll up the side to contain with also keeping themselves off of the tackle in order to uh, adjust to the cutback. So you're not going to get pressure, right, when you're playing the contain. And so there was a lot more of that in the second half, and and he was a big part of that. But I, I think he's getting, you know, too many people are reading the box scores right. and uh, the the PF grade, PF, PFF grades and, and then saying like, those numbers, you know, really identify what he did as a, uh, you know, a collective. But I don't think that's a. I think you really need to to do a rewatch before you can do a a, a full evaluation. Yeah, and if I'm being completely honest, I was actually a little bit more disappointed with Charles Harris. He's a guy that that I've yeah I've kind of been pushing this off season, saying like he looks really really good in camp, and he look he's a guy that might really benefit from the from the addition of Aiden Hutchinson, maybe more so than anyone else on the team, um, just drawing more attention to that side over him. And he did not have a, a good game in, in really any facet, whether it was run defense or, or pass rush. And listen, I, I do think the line, like I know the Lions had some disruption up front. Um, it's not enough though. Um, and, and, you know, maybe some of it was, was by design in the second half to be more of a contained front like that. But in general, like, when they went to that that NASCAR package, I don't think they got enough. I don't think they got enough out of anyone. Yeah. And then listen, like some of that is they're going to have different guys out there when they're healthy. Julian Aquara is going to be in there probably over yep. maybe Kaminsky or, or who's who's Austin the fourth Bryant. guy that they have? Austin, Austin Bryant. Bryant. Um, yeah. Josh Pascal is a guy that they definitely want in on that package. Um, but it just it didn't work enough in this game, and especially up the middle, right? And part of the reason why mm. I think Jalen Hurts had so many 
avenues to escape is because I just, I, the lines don't have an interior pass rush still. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Um, you got to remember with Harris, he gave up five inches and about a hundred pounds on the tackle he was facing as well. That's fair. And that, that's a really good offensive tackle. I, I'm, yeah. I can't pronounce his name to save my life. Is it Maiata? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but they had, they had really good offensive line uh, tackle play. Yep. And, and I think that was, uh, you know, and then you add the fact that they're having to switch up how they're attacking. I think that was a big part of it. Um, I think McNeil's going to come around, but I think the interior defensive line is always going to be a hiccup this year, right? Yeah. As uh, you've, you're going to get more pass rush out of a lean. Um, Levi not being there hurt is going to hurt. Brockers isn't giving it to you. And then you have two nose tackles like that are, that are behind you. And so honestly, in a situation where they're going to want to get more interior pressure, you're probably going to need Demetrius Taylor uh, to come in because he's the guy that was, has been able to consistently do that. Uh, They opted to try and go bigger and more of a run stuffing uh, Avenue against the Eagles that might switch up um, against other teams. Yeah. That's what I was about to ask too. Right. Um, I haven't, I haven't dug too much into Washington yet, but Mm -hmm. you, You'd have to imagine that something like having him in for uh, maybe you, you inactive Benito for for a week and just kind of do a little sw- a swap there, depending on what you view Washington's strength to be. Yeah, it's. I think it's very interesting to see how they're going to approach like a different team like Washington, right? Um, I, I mean, look, Wentz isn't mobile, so right. if you can pressure him from different avenues that's going to benefit you right and look i i think antonio they got their 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 running backs are good pass catchers as well right so you need a little bit more speed a little bit more agility i think in order to uh, attack washington's front and so yeah getting a guy like taylor in over a benito uh, would make some sense to me i don't think you can replace bugs i think bugs played well he gives you a different element uh, he allows you to keep a lean flexible and so i wouldn't be surprised yet yeah, to, to see that yeah, that benito taylor switch bugs had one pass defense and then he was yeah. also in the passing lane of another one that caused i think an inaccurate throw from from jalen hurts so i thought he had two yeah, I, I think but... that I think that second one that he that was just that. Like he celebrated afterwards because he knew he had his arms up and you know forced kind of Jalen to try to throw it around him and it wasn't accurate. And so essentially worked the same as a pass breakup, even though it wasn't yeah. technically one. Yeah. Um I'm curious about the Anzalone situation, asked Garrettson. Alex Anzalone had a terrible PFF grade, but I thought he looked pretty decent. So what's the whole story on him? I I'm actually with you, Garrettson. I thought he was much better that, than than the PFF yeah. grade um, suggested, especially in the second half. I think they really utilized him as like, all right, your read on this entire play is Jalen Hurts, go get him, and it worked. It worked a lot better in the second half. Um, and in in terms of coverage, I thought he was better. He looked faster out there to me, uh, more instinctive, um, filled in a gap or, or two when you know that that play that that Malcolm Rodriguez did the 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 Lane Johnson, you know, hip, hip flip or whatever you call it. Um, yeah. Anzalone did a great job filling in that gap right there to make sure that there was no cutback lane. So I don't know. I mean, I've always had issues with PFS linebacker grades. I've never really seen eye to eye specifically with that position. Um, mm-hmm. But I know, I, I know they credit him with like four or five missed tackles again, which is a recurring issue with him. So I think maybe that dragged him down quite a bit. 
I, I thought he, he played a little bit faster, but I still think he's not quite fast enough. Yeah. Right. Um, he's not as fast as Malcolm or, or Barnes. Right. Um, right. Not and so it was a little surprising for to see him kind of speed the spy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought that was a little bit more natural of uh, something for uh, Rodriguez, but um I think it comes down to a trust thing, right? Like they trust Anzalone to do his job. And um, I don't know if, I think they're still building that trust with, with the young linebackers. And so they're going to continue to put uh, a lot on his plate, at least the first half of the season. And um, in order for him to start getting snaps kind of siphoned away from him, you're going to need to see more out of Derek Barnes. Yeah. And I don't think it was there on Monday, on uh, Sunday. Just, Quick correction on my own part. Uh, Alex Anzalone actually had zero missed tackles. It was Derek Barnes who had three. Okay, well, um, there you go. Alex Anzalone got dinged for coverage and for run defense. He's, he's actually, I think, so, this is why it's really surprising to me because they gave him a, a 65.7 pass rush grade. And I think both of you, both both you and I agree that like that wasn't working as much as it should have up the middle with him. Yeah. So Yeah, I, I agree. That's why sometimes you got to trust your eyes. Sometimes if, if PFF lines up with your eyes, then you're like, okay, PFF's right. Um, but either way, I mean, as always, use PFF maybe as a, a slight guide, not as an end-all be-all. Yep. Uh, Lantana asks, after game one, which side of the ball seems to be improved the most compared to last season? So I feel like the, the easy answer here is offense because the defense just wasn't particularly good. And I think yeah. specifically, you'd have to point to the run game being maybe one of the most efficient run running games we've seen in a really long time, not just in terms of yards per carry, but it just felt like every single run was getting you positive yardage. Um, But if I could kind of switch the the question a little bit, what, what on defense did you come away encouraged by, if anything? Hmm. I I mean, there's, there's a couple of things (laughs) that that you could see potential with, honestly, like, but there's also flaw. There were, there were flaws everywhere, Yeah. but there were encouraging things everywhere too. Right. Like, um, the, the, the coverage was difficult sometimes because they weren't getting home with the pass rush. So, but at the same time, the coverage wasn't always great. Um, I thought the DBs were better at tackling, um, specifically Jeff Akuda, right? Um, yep. I like the way the I like the way the DB. Yeah, Tracy too. Jeez, I blocked him out of my head. You, you just erased the first three quarters of really good football he, from him because he screwed up in a really big way. That that I mean, it hurt the team. It really did. Because look, I, honestly, like there's a couple of plays there when he was gone that he would have made yeah that somebody the, is the somebody very first play and most notably they went right after juju yeah exactly and it right? went all the way down to one and it was the last touchdown they scored right after that all right i'm sorry i don't mean to upset you <laughs> he look I, I we i was i'm writing the game ball article as we're going <laughs> and like and tracy was it was between tracy and swift for me and then he gets ejected and I'm just like delete. Yeah. Right. Because like, I can't, like I couldn't keep him in at that point. So yes, I've kind of almost erased that from my head, but yeah, look, I thought the secondary, if, if, if your pass rush gets home, then your secondary isn't as bad as it was last year. Right. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I thought they had to back the pass rush off because of, you know, how Hertz was mobile. Right. So right. 
it, it's tough. Like every, every spot seemed like there's like that potential to be well, but at the same time, it was like, you know, there's still some flaws to clean up and some right. of their bad things are happening because of bad things happening at, at other parts of the defense. And so it was kind of a mixed bag on defense for me. Like I, stuff I like, stuff I, stuff I didn't. I, maybe I'll get tagged for saying this, but like, I think the secondary was fine. Like in general, I think I think there was more good than bad in the secondary. I think I think Amani had a rough game, but sure. I mean we've talked plenty about Jeff Okuda and and how much better he looks and how instinctive he looks and 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 how aggressive and and locked in he looks. Tracy Walker, like we said, has has a really good game. I mean, the, Deshaun had a good game too, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Elliot, right? Another guy who's who's really good near the line of scrimmage, making a lot of tackles. Um, I don't think he got tested too much in no. the passing game, but like. This team didn't get didn't give up many big plays. The the one big play they give is to is to Will Harris, a guy that shouldn't be starting out there. And everything else is just kind of like underneath stuff that maybe it should have been a little bit tighter here and there, but Jalen Hurts completed like 55% of his passes. Yeah. He wasn't he wasn't chopping them up. Yeah. And and, and I mean the the stats are gonna say they had a bad game, right? Sure. Um, because Brown has this, you know insane amount of yardage and whatnot but um the eye test it it, it shows that they're getting I, I it shows that they're getting better right um it's just i it's hard to it's hard to like you know say they had a good game when they gave up a bunch of yards but at the same time this was a, a year ago there wouldn't even they wouldn't even be in some of those plays right. that they were making right right and I, I think ryan did a really good job pointing this out on on the POD cast is like there's one thing about the secondary that got exposed it's the lack of depth because Juju Smith sure. or Juju Hughes comes right in gives up a big play same thing happens to Will Harris okay so yeah these guys need to stay healthy because at least right now the Lions don't have anyone they can rely on maybe when Ify comes back maybe when when Jerry comes back maybe you know once Kirby Joseph gets his feet under him maybe there's more depth all around but right now right. the lines are kind of in a really tight spot at both of those positions where they can't really afford to miss well, any snaps right and that's and that's the thing is that you can't one you can't rebuild a secondary in a season right uh and two if you're doing it long for the long term you're doing it by you know waiting on Kirby Joseph to yeah. develop, right? Yep. And that's a year from now. And so like that's why you get Elliot to try and buy that time because you're hoping Joseph takes that next step a year. So a lot of their depth right now is maybe a year away from really being good. Look at Chase you Chase Lucas. I mean he was inactive, right? Yeah. Because he's just not ready yet. But when he gets ready and then a year from you know he's going to contribute and then a year from now he could be your starter, right? And so I mean that ceiling is there for him, in my opinion. And so, hard eyes. Um, hard eyes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> look, I I love what I see. And then, yeah, you know, I think Will Harris not finding a way to rebound is disappointing because I think that hurts. That's the biggest flaw because it, your depth looks a lot better if Will Harris is, is playing better. And when he's not, it really kind of exposes what's what's behind him even. All right, next question is from JP and me. So is it fair to say we lost this game because of mistakes as opposed to uh, talent de- deficit as opposed to last season? Sure. I mean, Goff said that, right? He yeah. said, no offense to the Eagles, but we did a lot of our damage to ourselves. We could have put up 50. And, right. and I, 
maybe i don't know 50 is a little uh you know that's a little something to aspire to i think but um I mean, they scored on a lot of drives and put up 35 points. That's a lot. That is and, a lot of points. And those and, are all – uh, the other thing to point out, too, is like those were all long drives. Those were all 60-plus yeah. drives. Yeah. Like that wasn't – they didn't get aided by a turnover. They didn't get aided by a good punt return or kick return. It was all long, sustained drives. That gap, though, in the second quarter where they couldn't get anything going, I mean, that, that was filled with mistakes. And if they don't make those mistakes and, you know – can they have those long drives and score more points? Sure. Um, but they made a lot of mistakes, a lot of easy misses, a lot of right. missed blocks. It was a lot of, you know, little this, little this, little this. And and all of a sudden you've got four series that go away. And, you know, if you get those four series back and you don't make those mistakes, you're much, it's a much different game. But this is the NFL. Those happen. <laughs> well, it's and it's like, OK, I think we're splitting hairs here a little bit, too, because mm-hmm. if if you're saying, oh, blinds just need to clean up those mistakes, they're not talent efficient. Well, I think part of the reason you're making the mistakes is a lack of talent, right? Like, well, it depends. Because any any good player can make a, a string of good plays in the NFL Any mm-hmm. the NFL player can. Mm-hmm. consistency makes you a good team, makes you a really talented team. Sure. It's consistency on a down-by-down basis. So the Lions can continue to make mistakes. To me, that's that's a talent deficiency. Like, obviously, some, there, there are mental errors and things you'll clean up, and, and some, of, some of that is what happened. But mm-hmm. Jared Goff not being accurate, Jared Goff not being good under pressure, I don't know if that's a mistake. I think that's kind of built into who he is as a quarterback. And yeah. And and defensively, I I don't I think there's there's a lot of talent deficit, right? Like I think we can we can all agree yeah. again interior defensive line not doing their job in terms of pass rush or necessarily in the run defense. Linebackers still being young and and prone to making mental errors. Again, you can call that errors, but it's also like you, they they aren't talented enough yet. It's not that they won't be talented enough. It's just their their talent level isn't there because they're such a young team. Yeah, it was a lot easier to to. Uh, add players to the offense to make the offense better because the offense was further along, right? right. The yeah. defense was – you were starting from scratch, essentially. And and two off-seasons of starting from scratch is is hard to do. I mean, because you're – look, you, you still had, what, two rookies start and – was there any second year? Yeah, Leem was Leem's the second year. Derek, Derek Barnes, Derek, Derek Barnes didn't start, but yeah. yeah, that's yeah, but he's in that mix of so starting yeah, level I'm, snaps, listen, right? Jeff like, Okuda is is a first or second well, year player, right? Might as well be right. Um, and and so I yeah, that I mean, this is a defense that is being built, you know, for the future, Wild and the way there. that they're approaching this whole thing. I mean, like they just don't have the depth yeah. and, and they're and the guys that are relying on are just not as experienced as you would hope they would be. And so, yeah, the defense is still going to it's still going to need some finessing. The offense is much closer. I mean, like, honestly, if golf, if golf cleans those mistakes up, this offense can put up 50. I mean, against the right opponent. Right. It definitely it can. I'm I'm really but, interested to see how the Eagles turn out, because if they are as yeah. good as, you know, a lot of people think they are, we might look back on this game as a, as a sign of like, wow, this team, we should have known this team was going to be com- like super competitive this sure. year. And, and look, it's week one. It's also week one. Yeah. A lot of weird things happen. Yeah. They, and there but there's going to be opponents that, you know, 
come down the the schedule here that they're going to they're going to match up well against and if you can run the ball like you're running and then all of a sudden you start throwing the ball six inches inside instead of outside uh you make those complete those passes you can have sustained drives you can put up points uh joshua mercer asks if aj parker is still in the practice squad um the answer to yeah. that is yes but I'm, I'm curious as as to your thoughts on on maybe the the nickel job kind of moving around because I don't know. That was one where I feel like we all did not have a, a strong indication on on who really won that battle. Do you think that's some that's a battle that might kind of continue? I, I don't know. I didn't really. I have to look at, at Hughes at again. Hughes, yeah, like, I was going to say I didn't, I didn't really I didn't get a good read for, on how Hughes uh-uh. played. They, he got a sixty-seven PFF grade, which was fifth okay. highest on the team, fifty-one snaps. So played quite a bit as well. Yeah, like I, I just I didn't get a good feel for him. Um, there's a lot going, a lot going on, right? So, yeah, right. <laughs> a lot to watch, uh, and, and and so he that was just kind of something I think that kind of slid under the radar for me. Um, I think Parker's biggest hiccup is he's just he doesn't have the body to sustain the style of play that he has, and that's going to be a problem for coaches. Yeah. Um, he, he he falls into that bucket weight. that that uh, Campbell talked about on the last episode of hard knocks where he's like, he's doing everything right. He's, he's giving it his all, all the time. But the one thing he can't overcome is just, it, it's, it's the Tom Kennedy disease. It's just like, physically, you're just not there. You're, yeah. There, there are more physically talented people than you. And you're making it really hard for us to cut you because again, you're doing everything right. You're, you're, you're tenacious out there. You, you have the, the Dan Campbell grit, but the physicality that the just the stature which is unfair to i mean yeah. to, to hold them against but when you're when you're when you become a better team that has more of those players that not only have that gritty attitude but have the athleticism to, to really take it to another level someone like aj parker is suddenly on the outside looking in yeah it's uh yeah he 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 does not hesitate to try and mix it up but i just think he i mean how many would he get dinged up twice last year right yeah and uh i think even adding the weight that he did i don't think was just quite enough and so you wonder where his ceiling is can he put on more weight can he be become more durable like what what can happen uh but they like him enough to keep him around right so they there's there's something there that that they want to keep trying to invest in uh, probably going to close things up here pretty soon here. So get your last few questions in here, live audience. Uh, Vengas Khan has Aleem was hyped up for year two, but seemed very quiet in this game. Thoughts? Uh, you know, it's a good uh, look. Okay. So Philly's line again is really good, right? Okay. Jason um, Kelsey. Yep. Uh, and, and it's not just Kelsey, but, uh, Landon Dickerson right sure. next to him yep. is, was fantastic. Sure. I mean, he's, he's, he's a high second round pick. Um, and, uh, I think he is a ascending, uh, interior offensive lineman as well. He was a guy that I really liked last year coming out of Alabama and, uh, and that, and that's where Lee ended up a lot of the time, right? He ends up, he ends up trying to work his way between, um, Landon Dickerson and, and, and Kelsey. And when you can ISO Brockers with a guard, that's where Kelsey drifts. And yeah. so he's going to get that double team quite a bit. And so I, I still have confidence that Aleem is going to be 
uh, more disruptive. He's he's very powerful. That that step is is going to be something that a lot of guards won't be able to handle. And so uh, I, I still have, I still have confidence he's headed. He's going to make some noise this season. I, yeah, I think the issue is just freeing him up, right? Because yeah, Michael Brockers. What he played twenty five snaps or something in this game? Kind of. I mean, it seems like they're kind of moving away from him to have more of a true nose in there instead. And yeah. Woods is is okay, but I think he's still got a, a ways to go to to demand it. Yeah, team, he's right. Yeah, yeah, he's not commanding double teams. And then on his out on his outside yeah. shoulder, Charles Harris isn't commanding double teams in that game either. Yeah. And so you've basically Aleem was the guy that was that was getting having to fight through everything. And so he, yeah, I mean that's that's kind Get of a better supporting out. cast. Help him out. <clears throat> Um, I don't know if you're going to know the answer to this one, but it's, it's an interesting question that I, I'm sure I'll, I'll find the answer at some point this week. Um, when was the last time the Lions were favored to win like they are this week? Because I, all I know is going into last year, they were favored in zero games. I don't know if they eventually get became favored in any of those games. Obviously they probably didn't in the first 12 due to being Owen yeah. 10 and one. Did they, I don't think they ever were favored in the end of that season though by the end of the season well i, I we'll, we'll have to we'll have to go to yeah, our research I, department for that one it's I, definitely i'm almost certain it's been at least a year yeah because i know yeah I'm, I'm with you i know that they started out by not being favored at all yeah and i don't recall if they ended up getting one late i i'm i'm like I want to say like Adla- the Atlanta game. Did they end up getting like a, that was in Atlanta though? Yeah, I don't. So think I don't know if they would have been. No, I don't. I don't recall. It's I, yeah. It has. It has been a while, but I'm sure they were favored the year before that because it's it's pretty unusual to not be favored right. at all, right? Absolutely. Um, I think we're gonna. I think, yeah, I think we're going to close things up there. Um, So if you didn't join us, if you liked what you listened to, make sure you join us live next week. Again, we like to record these around 1.30 p.m. Eastern, Tuesday afternoon on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. Again, if you want to submit questions before that, um, hashtag AskPOD on Twitter or look out for the Pride of Detroit post on prideofdetroit.com. But for Eric, I'm Jeremy. Thank you all for joining us. We'll see you next week. It's chaos. Be kind. (laughs) 